You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what's up, World Wide Webs? It's Brandon. And it's Alex. And it's Dan. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Who's this guy? Ooh. And we're filmmakers. <laughs> and we're also drinking bourbon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers all the way around. Cheers all the way around. around. Come on now. Well, three way. There we go. So good to be drinking Ooh. bourbon with wow. filmmakers. Who is the man with the golden pipe sitting good in with Lord. us? Who is this guy? And pass the bourbon while you're doing it. It's a shtick. Yeah. So uh, it, it, for those of you listening, uh, we, for 199 episodes, have brought to you filmmakers drinking bourbon. Live from Studio B at Sound Images. True. B stands for bourbon. That's no longer the case. That is no longer the case. No. We are here, episode 102. Studio G? Studio G, I believe. <laughs> for gangsta. That's right. But <laughs> actually, Sound Images is now Gwyn Sound. And we have the president. We've got the man with the plan. The here. man with the plan. He's he's multifunctional. He's a musician. He's a marketer. He's a businessman. He's a big time thinker. He's not a tool. Multifunctional he's a, tool. He's the man with the golden pipes. He's the guy with the plan. Well, Dan. Well, thank you, Brandon. <laughs> so give give our listeners a little background. Who are you? What the hell you been up to? Well, thanks. First, ha- thanks uh, so much for having me on the show. I've been lurking for a few weeks, as you know, just in the lurking. background, waiting for my invitation. Mm. And uh, What fa- he means is he's been evaluating whether or not we should continue the show in yeah. his studio. Bingo. Do I want to be a part of this? <laughs> evaluating. <laughs> Guys, I have to let you know that uh, we no longer need you. Anymore. Yeah. You're not adhering to brand standards? Yeah. Well, as you alluded to, I do have a lot of experience, Brandon, and so I wanted to play that one, mm. you know, the right way. <laughs> But here I am. So you guys are doing fantastic things, and it's always Thanks, awesome to have you by the studio too. So he gave. Let's in. keep that Whoa. up for a long time. We appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, man. So, um, and Alex, it's great to see you as well, my friend. You as well, bud. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's it's tough to go. I don't know how far back you'd like well, me to go, just, but I can just, certainly go back to here. the beginning. So Dan Carruthers, uh, you before. You made the acquisition to take over Sound Images and transform it. Right. What did you do? A couple of different things. So for the last about 11 years, um, I ran the Cincinnati division of a New York-based ad agency called MKTG. Okay. Yeah, heard of them. And we developed kind of alternative marketing methodologies with PNG, most namely word-of-mouth marketing. So that was right a blast. And I was fun leading that team and uh, working on something that was upstream. Uh, prior to that, sales marketing experience with P&G and Unilever okay. and a little coffee company named Millstone Coffee. So you did Unilever and P&G, which they're kind of arch rivals, right? They are. I started Enemies. my career uh, back in the day. It was my first job. Did that for about four years and then came over to Millstone Coffee, which was then acquired by P&G. Gotcha. Mm. Now, did, were you in Chicago? Because that's where Unilever I was actually right? in Phoenix okay. at the time, yeah. That's right. You gave me some great recommendations for my, my anniversary. Your trip to Sedona, yeah. 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 Anyway, all right. I was thinking about that, about a, a product, Sedona Nuts. No? <laughs> there is a Sedona. Is there a Sedona? Yeah, they oh, just okay. opened there. Did they really? Yeah, but their their product was wasn't late to great. that party. Yeah, their product, their donuts weren't that great. The name was better than yeah. the product. Name yeah. was better than the product. Okay. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyways, well, the brand's hose now. So you've been in the brand. <laughs> you've been in the brand world. You've been in the donut entrepreneurial world <laughs> <laughs> for a minute. Yeah. And uh, so, and at some point, you start getting an itch 
for this current project, right? Or is there yes. something between Brand World and this? Did you there was did a you go on step. hiatus? Did I, you? I wanted to go on hiatus, Brandon, <laughs> but I, I, I couldn't. So um, I started a company called YBG mm-hmm. with uh, an old friend of mine uh, from my Procter & Gamble days, and actually the agency side. And um, we launched the FC Cincinnati brand. Wow. Well, yeah. Which I didn't know that. Yeah. It was a tremendous That's endeavor. amazing. They're doing great. Right They're now, doing phenomenally the well. And yeah. so I wow. you know, I need to plug uh, YBG and Gary, who still owns sure. the company, and Rodney. They're, they're great guys and doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, so. they're like going to go MLS. We they hope. probably will. Yeah, Everyone I mean, around here hopes so. They're still in the uh, America's well, Cup. Ne- they're next, getting ready to play the next New York Wednesday, Red Bulls. Next Wednesday is the semifinals of the U.S. Open Hunt. This is a yeah. soccer team. How amazing is that, right? Yeah. A football team. Football club, yeah, Brandon. It's a, it's a club. Come on. So anyway, yeah, you're, so you're, you're our, part of that. Yeah, our company did that. And admittedly, my partner and his team did almost all the work. <laughs> right. um, I was working on other endeavors, but they were fun too. Things like Dewey's Pizza and, yeah. Sweet. and a couple of other folks. But uh, phenomenal brands that we had a chance to work with and launch in the case of FC Cincinnati. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That, that all kind of went internal, which is kind of our model to get a brand launched and then you know turn it over. Sure. So. Mm. But uh, yeah, so I did that. Okay. And um, kind of while I was working for the guys, this opportunity came came up, and uh, it seemed like it was going to a lot more consistent with my passion and my experience. Yeah. I wanted to bring those two together. Mm. So give us a oh, yeah, I was give say. us a little bit of that journey because I just from being here for the past several years with Adam, it was like I slowly started to see your face more. <laughs> right, and then all of a sudden, like boom, here's see it every day. Here's yeah. how it's going down. Yeah. So. What was that journey like, and how did you? How did because you and Adam have a great relationship? How did you connect with him, and how did this thing transform? Because now it's a total transformation. It's a totally new brand, rebrand, right? So let's get us on that journey, and then get us to the point now where we we are now Gwen. Sure. So um, while we were kind of wrapping up um, our YBG work throughout that process, all all three of the partners kind of did some other things, and I uh, was doing some consulting, and so I actually came in here and was kind of helping out a little bit, particularly yeah. with the sonic identity portion of what uh, Very cool. Sound Images was trying to launch. And it gave me some insights into the business and into the people and the staff and um, and the opportunity. And so Jack was ready to kind of move on and yeah. get to the next phase of his life. And yeah. I was ready to get to the next phase of my life, which yeah. was doing something I really loved and was passionate about. <laughs> That's cool. Because, I mean, Jack was a, you know, an advertising, you know, legend, you know, for years and years. He was, you know, in Cincinnati and yet hustled and bustled and he knew a ton of people and mm-hmm. uh you know he's got you know i think a bunch of grandkids and all that deal and right. he was ready to kind of do his thing and uh, here you are yeah so I, the timing was great i think we kind of glossed over a pretty important part i'm, I'm sitting out here from you know outsider's point of view listening <laughs> to the conversation but i hear you mention in between ybg and this okay something that actually led back to your passion you're right. And we didn't mention it. What is your passion? How does sound, how does all this come into play with, with you, who you yeah, are? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, you know, my brother taught me how to play guitar okay. back when I was in high school, the latter part of my high school years. And uh, he was kind of a local legend in, in our area in, in North Central Illinois. Uh, just a phenomenal musician, singer, songwriter. Um, did a lot of things well. Um, visual artist. I mean, uh, just amazing. Right. And uh, so he kind of introduced me to music and it's always been something that I uh, kind of at first kind of plunked around at, you know, 
but um, there's a little bit of it in the genes. So I got to do a few things that actually uh, got me up in front of people. Mm. And that was a lot of fun. And um, so although I had other things going on in my life, um, I had kids and married early. Yeah. I still kind of kept it up, you know, still kind of kept playing, do an occasional gig, you know. Sure. And uh, and then and then a few pretty good gigs, you know. And uh, wrote some solo songs. stuff or part of a group. Uh, solo stuff, solo stuff until about 15 years ago, and I, I met a guy down here and we uh, started a band called Jackbone, based out of Zanesville, Illinois, mm, yes. Illinois, Ohio, Zanesville, Ohio, Zanesville, Ohio. yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Jackbone, yeah. So a uh, bunch of great players and songwriters in that band. I learned a lot from them. Drove up there. What is it? 200 and, I don't know, 210 miles, yeah, something like yeah, that. It's, it's, it's yeah. a long ways. And I would drive up after work, practice, drive home back to Cincinnati, oh go to God. work the next day. So that's how into it I was. I was 40 years old and never been in a band before. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So so the rock and roll has always been in your blood. And but there was a period where you had to take the you had to take the man out of the rock and roll, but you could never take the rock and roll out of the man. <laughs> Very well said. And so therefore, this opportunity aligns where you 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 step away from the marketing world, you connect with marketing as it works in sound and in music production and audio production. The timing's right, uh, right. and you connect with Adam and the crew here and. At what point were you like, this is it? I mean, because at some point you decided to pull the trigger, right? Yeah, there, there's a lot to this one. You know, we were even considering moving to New York with my lot of turmoil in, um, in my wife's situation because her company wanted her to move. And um, so that was going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think once we made the decision to stay in Cincinnati, then it was, it was time to pull the trigger. It was really one of those kind of um, crossroads moments in your life, you know, where you go, um, if I don't do this, I'm... I'm probably going to regret it, mm. you know, and I probably yeah. would never do it again. Right. You know? And so, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm aging out, but, uh, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm, I might be a couple of years on the other side of what some people would consider prime. Right. But, uh, for me, I'm just hitting my stride because I'm doing something I love now. That's awesome. And, uh, so that's when I pulled the trigger. Hey, we're staying in Cincinnati. Uh, now's the time had to have that kind of soul searching, mm. uh, discussion with myself. Yeah. And uh, I think I made the right call. Well, it must have been a you know it certainly helped knowing the staff here. You know, Absolutely. if you look at the team and the, and the, the the day in and out, the engineers, the the you know yeah. composers and everything else, the administrative producer side of things, you got to kill a team. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, if without this staff, it doesn't happen. Because if I had to look at this um, opportunity and say, on top of it, I've got to recruit and hire a whole new staff yeah i mean no way yeah. i was dependent upon them to be the continuity yeah. to help me along so you know? when you when you connected because you and adam seem to have a pretty good connection mm -hmm. and adam is you know a wealth of knowledge from everything from the soundboard to the business you know the whole deal what what was that give us a little peek behind the curtains there you know when you talked with adam how did because i assume that had to work Oh you know, yeah, you guys had to be on the same page. So yeah, I know he was excited from what I could tell. So tell yeah. us a little bit about that story. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you could tell he was excited because I can never tell when he's excited. <laughs> um, but and so that was part of the read that took me a little while. But no, he's well, he's so skilled, you know, yeah. what he does, and such a great guy, um, such a team player. Um, worked really hard over the previous six years when I wasn't here mm -hmm. to uh, help uh, keep this place moving along, mm -hmm. and he did a wonderful job there. Um, so, um, 
that was a huge part of my decision making. I, I literally would not have done it if I would have had to bring in a whole new staff. Mm. Like I said, I was really dependent upon them. You know, I'm, I'm, I have my marketing experience and my yeah. sales experience, but I, I didn't have an experience running a studio and I was going right. to rely on, on the people that have been around, mm. you know, so it's really a great symbiotic relationship and I'm bringing them along on how to develop a brand. They're bringing me along on the um, keystroke components of running the studio. That's great. Totally. Yeah. And speaking of yep. <clears throat> tying the passion together, you're, you're, you're a person who believes in his own brand. You've actually tracked some stuff here, right? Yes. You have a record in the works. I have a record in the works. Mm. So, I mean, we got a little teaser. <laughs> I'd love to hear some. I mean, I don't know if, if do we have, I guess you own the rights to it. It's a bounce track, but you may have a clip. Can we play it? You can play Do it. Do we Bart, have the rights to play can, this? Can Bart pull it up? Bart, you got it? Bart's going to pull it up. Bart's Just a second. It? We're going to dial it All in right. right now. Okay. Wow. Dude, that's good. Thank you. It's, I mean, that's that's got a cool vibe. How, What's going on with what? the vocals there? You know, it sounds like uh like old old school tape <laughs> machine stuff. Like it's pretty rad sounding. Thanks, man. Well, uh a great musician and, and producer, uh Isaac Joel, who you may know from the Pomegranates, mm-hmm. he is producing the record. Mm. And so he's working his magic and doing some awesome work uh both on both sides of the glass. And uh, I have to give him glass? the credit for uh, how he made it sound. I mean, I think on this that particular song, I'm singing uh, three different parts. Yeah, and um, I, I love I love the little the, the little little falsetto at the end there. Little, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's unexpected. I like that. Thanks, how, what would you classify Thank that you. as? You know, stylistically. That's a, yeah, that's a tough one to get asked that question. Um, you know, I am just so happy to just be able to to pick up an instrument and play something and create something that's yeah. halfway decent. Yeah. Uh, Alex, that I have a difficult time no need mentioning to put it in box, anybody, right? right? In I my, would call in it rock and roll. Name, but but you, mean, it's a, it's you don't a, necessarily need to To me, to it's like, uh, it feels like a little, you know, I would say like, it's a mash between where singer-songwriter meets rock and roll. Yeah, totally. Cool. I get that. I like that. Right? Does that yeah. make sense? It makes a lot of sense. So it's like, totally uh, you know, that. there's some there's a little component of Steve Earle-ness, Steve Earle kind of going on, but then there's like this like, Classic reference to the greats of like you know the Beatles, Cream, those sort of things. Oh no no no! I you, you know what I mean. It. But is that is, has that always been your kind of style? Did it evolve? Did you start somewhere harder or softer? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Actually, um, you know, I think I think what happens is you kind of experiment with a lot of different things. And for me recently, I just really kind of feel like it's been in the last two to three years that I've found my own voice. Mm. You know. I do these impressions of people, and I think what you can do is you can take those impressions too far. Yeah. You know, and you can start to try to write like people, and you can start yeah, yeah. to sound to sound like people. For and sure. although it might be entertaining on one level, you know, out somewhere or whatever, 
it, it's not who you are. And so, you know, I kind of felt like I need to kind of discover who I am as a musician, what my voice sounds like. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of it. And then the second part, there's a cause associated with what I'm doing. Um, my brother, Dave, that I mentioned earlier, um, passed away from multiple sclerosis in 1990. He was only know. 33 years old. And so um, I'm really doing this to honor him. Mm. And I wanted the record to kind of sound like that era in which the, we grew up as kids sharing a bedroom together, you know, that's in the cool. 60s and the 70s. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, so it has a little yeah. bit of that feel to it. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Really dig that. So that's his spirit's awesome. really all over this thing. And I started to, after I had a few songs that felt like they were in that vibe, I just kind of ran with it yeah. and kind of tried to make it more of this me, but sort of a concept album sure. in, in terms of the genre that it might sound like. Love so it. you have a, um, you've, you've come to a place where your marketing experience and your passion for music have collided. Mm-hmm. And that's what has birthed what is now transformed into Gwen Studios. Right. So we're going we're gonna to get to that in just a second, but you are getting a notice here from a note, which. Oh, yeah. Does could that be mean something important. to you? It's kind of important. Yeah. Like, you need to go now? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, okay. so, this is real drag. We're gonna. That's right. We're gonna. We're gonna check in with you. Uh, uh, if you can, we're gonna keep talking. If you can pop back in, great. If not, we're gonna get part two of this interview yeah. to find out later date what is going on right now. We are now in Gwyn Studios. Really exciting stuff with a new brand. Really excited about it. So we want to get to that later. Cool. Cool. Thanks, guys. All right. Go take care of business. Thanks for popping in. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers, Talk mate. This that's, guy, multi talented. That's, that's the uh, the price of doing good business. The price of know? fame. This yeah. guy has got to step out when he you're is calls. stepping Sorry, out to guys. get things done. You're fine, take things your are happening. So super exciting to have him on the show. Yeah, this is what I love about this podcast. We don't mess around with edits, and that you're getting what really happens. And you know, ultimately, Dan is they're kicking butt over here. He had to step out to take a call that evidently was important enough. Totally. To say later, guys, this is serious. On that note, I'm getting a text. I got a, uh, I kind of got a. <laughs> uh, actually, up. Frank, I, uh, if you could step in here, I have a. Yeah, I got a. I have a call. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna tap out. To, uh, anyway, <laughs> um, it's funny. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm really excited to hear kind of what they've yeah. been up to. I, you know, I had a bunch of questions. I gotta. I know. I want to get out there. I know. So but, meanwhile, uh, you're gonna have some chips. Meanwhile, uh, <laughs> you're gonna enjoy some chips. Here's what a marshmallow sounds like. <laughs> um. So yeah, the, the 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 exciting thing is that they are now Gwyn Studios. Yeah. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, hear, hear where the brand's going. I have a little bit of an inside scoop. I'm going to help them develop a video, um, and cool. there's some cool things happening. And so they're really smart guys, and, and I'm excited for them. On the audio track, on the audio track, on the audio yeah. note, um, where's your audio stuff going? What do you mean, personally? My band. Just in general, like you, you, I feel like audio and sound is is yeah definitely yeah. your that's part of your passion. One day, one of these days, one of these days, I will work in audio again. You think? I think so. I think I'll, I'll either You're, guess what I'll you're working in pro- audio now. Yeah, I'll be a producer. I'll produce music. I'll do. So, I don't know. Maybe hip hop. <sighs> No, I don't know, man. You want to be a famous rapper? No, I don't. Uh-huh. I love hip hop, um, but more more importantly, I like the. I, I'm starting to fall in love deeply with the complexities of jazz. Mm. But I don't. I don't want 
to be a part of a pretentious jazz community that says, come watch me play these really fancy notes and look at how cool I am. Yeah. I want to be a part of a movement that says jazz is, is how we get down. It's and I want to create moments where people come out and dance their ass off. And that's what I'm trying to do with the Bossa Nova Social Club. La La Land. Whether or not like it, La La Land. Whether or not I'm Ryan Gosling. You are Ryan Gosling. Whether or not that Ryan happens. Ryan Baby Goose. Yeah. Yep. Whether or not that happens. Uh, Ryan Goose Child. I don't really care. I'm having fun along the way. I got Bart on the on the cajon. The ones and the twos. drums on the ones and twos, <laughs> throwing it down. Yeah. And we got this guy Mark on upright, and he's he's pretty rad. So. Dope. So I don't know, man. It's See fun. where it goes. Things you got to yeah. play it by ear like yeah, uh, yeah, musicians do. These, uh, Passions are quirky little things, you know. They are. You know, I used to, uh, I used to dream about, you know, feature-length documentaries. Sorry, what was that? What? <laughs> I used to dream about making these, you know, feature docs, and we used to do a, a lot of these short doc competitions, and we had a lot of success with. And I enjoyed them, and, and I still do. Are we ever going to do that again? I, I don't know. Maybe. But, but I guess, I guess we're the thing that I've found is that most recently, like that fire, for me is really tampered down. Mm. And so, like, the thought of, like, putting in, you know, two solid weeks to make a film is just not as super exciting as uh, Yeah. No, I get it. it was, was. I totally get it. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into it. You know, especially when there's not, like, a payday at the end or, uh, you know, awards recognition or whatever. Uh, dude, you know what I want to do? Stop. Is dive into this uh, festival thing? Can we can we talk a little bit more about our festival journey with Kill Game? Oh God! Is do, there a way that do that we have to? Yeah, because I'm I'm kind of depressed. I'm kind of curious. Is there a way that we could have done a little more research? I don't know. And kind of tailored our submissions to festivals that more likely accept ups. Did we just kind of shotgun it and spray it? You were the man behind it. I don't know, man. I looked. How, in, what was your first of all? What was your strategy behind the submissions? Well, I looked into. There's no winning strategy. No, no, no. I know, but what did you look at when you're like, yeah, we should apply to? This? I was looking at smaller festivals. She so specifically went small. Yeah, well, because I, we had a, a lot chance. of them. Yeah, I went to. I submitted to a lot of small festivals. I submitted to you know, ours is a, a gangster film where dudes just cuss at each other and talk about how they've murdered people. Yeah, you know a lot of family, the spe- fam- family friendly. A lot of the specialty film festivals are like the eco-friendly film festival, the vegetarian film festival, the Christian film festival, the mm. Buddhist film festival, and those like they're our e- guy talks about God easier to get into. He says that's there's no divine. like ours isn't a horror film. Yeah. There's no like genre. There's no like Quentin Tarantino cuss a lot film festival. If there was, we'd maybe have done okay. We might have gotten in. We might have been accepted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, do you have any so from your experience do you have any notes anything that you would pitch on to people making a short film right now things to do or not to do as it comes to festival submissions okay you know serious note I do bits of wisdom learning so here's what I learned from my failures as a director Um, first thing I learned making a short film is not easy um, it is extremely time-consuming. It's extremely taxing. It is extremely leveraging relationships and people to get one even done in, in the books. Is and, that different than from what you thought? Did you think it would be easy? Yeah, I just you know I'm I'm a commercial director, so I'm used to you know day in day out and flip a thirty second edit. 
you know, and to do a, a, an edit on 18 minutes, you know, we cut down 25 minutes down to 17 and it was still long. So I think what I learned was, you know, pre-production planning. If I if I'd have done it all over again, I would have gone into it with a different strategy. Mm. Single take. And if we really wanted to, if we really wanted to get into a festival, I probably would have done more research and, and realized, okay, what's that festival sweet spot? Is it seven to ten minutes? As far as length. Yeah, yeah. and then we would have had to have rewritten the script to work for that setting. Uh, I think the biggest thing was, you know, we worked with Brandon Howe, who's out of Louisville, great, great uh, writer, screenwriter. Um, it was an ambitious script. Had we been able to film the backstories of the gangsters and their most notable historic hits where, you know, you got one guy who... Uh, the bus boy. The bus going boy. In on the takes, table for he, cops. He, he goes yeah. into a banquet full of cops and kills eight of them and then stabs the chief of police with a, with a ribeye. T-bone a in his T-bone. eye. I mean, imagine filming that. It would have been amazing. It would have been so cool. We had one where there was a backstory of a parade where one guy shoots a bullet out of the air. Uh-huh. Again, amazing. In our heads, they were perfect. But then when you put them on screen and you just tell the story, but you don't ever show it, yeah. that's where I think it falls flat. Totally. So I think we we had a little bit of a workaround, but it was not as dynamic. I think as we wanted. I guess it what to I'm be. getting at is, yeah, if you're going to make a short film and you wanted to play in festivals, write it to where it's attainable, where you can actually shoot it. You can actually bring to life what it is you're trying to do and don't write something that really should be a feature with a significant budget and try to make it work. Mm. It goes back to the uh, old saying, uh, show, don't tell, you know, big thing in filmmaking. We told a lot. What did did you learn? What was your takeaway? We told a lot. We didn't show much. Uh, My takeaway from the whole process. By the way, there's no one in the studio now. It doesn't matter. (laughs) All that matters. Everyone who's left. Something has happened. The only thing that matters is between these two mics right now. <laughs> That's all that matters in life Back in general. What did you learn? What did I learn? Uh, I talked a lot about it a little bit at the uh, 100th episode premiere and everything. Uh, it was just trying to – it was really an exercise in keeping a conversation at a table interesting visually. And I, th- I think we found a really good way to do that by breaking it up between lockdown, steady, you know, really sticks and dolly shots – and handheld, I think it kind of worked. But if I were to go back and do it again, I would have do I would have done more with the lighting. Honestly, it was a little, hmm. a little just average and not special, you know. Really. And if you're gonna have three dudes sitting at a table for 15 minutes, it's, you know, I feel like it's got to either the the dialogue and the script and everything's got to be absolutely perfect, or it's got to be something like cherry on top visually to to make an audience sit through it and enjoy it. My biggest learning or regret I've shared before, which is always get what you want, and the ending will plague me forever. Yeah. I wanted their faces to smash in the cherry pie. How do you? How would we have done it, do you think? Visual effects or? No, we would have just said, okay, last shot of the whole project. Oh. Here we go. All in. Throw yourself into that pie like it's your I, life depended on it. I forget. who Did I pull you out of that? Did Sarah? Did it we? It was you and Sarah. We talked you down. You and Sarah got super practical and yeah. talked about how it's going to be messy and we'll only have one take and blah, 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 and you don't really need it. It's overdone. Yeah. And I said, all right, I tried to trust you guys, and yeah. I'll never trust you again. All right. Well, there it is. I've lost, uh, I've lost Brandon's faith in myself. <laughs> uh, friendship's dying right before your ears. <laughs> 
You know, Frank right now is thinking, I've lost control of the show. I've got two hosts yeah, but eating chips and pretzels. Was there ever really our control guests, to begin our with? Our guest ran out. Yeah. My engineer took off. Well, you're eating <laughs> chips and pretzels. I'm eating uh, Hershey's Kisses. So. Anyway. Um, back to short films. Yeah, what? I mean, I don't know, man. It was I, just. Here's a good question. It's discouraging. Is there ever, or recently, have you seen a short film where you're like, Wow. That was done perfectly for the format. No, the only ones that you say that are the ones that are Oscar winners that get released on iTunes as a compilation. Here's the 10 Oscar short films, and they're all amazing. So everyone other than that is just Well, I mean, it's where do you ever get to see a short film other than the festival? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Do you do you go seek them out on Vimeo? Do you? No. No? I mean, yeah. It, typically, you. I think most filmmakers, we end up seeing what rises to the top. Yeah, the cream. So Vimeo staff favorites, Behance, you mm. know, curated galleries, those sort of things. Hmm. There are a couple outlets, though, where you, where you can watch them, like Shorts HD. Yeah, we had a couple films on Shorts HD. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, there who, been has, a, who has cable? Yeah, I don't know. Not me. Not I. <laughs> but there have been a few outlets and articles and people talking about how Shorts are making a comeback, and they, they see it as a viable opportunity for filmmakers. You know, they used to play... Prior to features in theaters, stuff like that. People, yeah, they people play short. may think those are coming back. Hmm. Do you see that as an option? Should people? I don't see why not. I mean, should people still pursue the short format? Yeah, I mean, I think I think what the short format does is it provides an opportunity, say, for brands. I think a lot of a lot of brands would be interested in investing mm. uh, in a short film because you know it's one thing. Where to, you tie the product? It's in, one really? thing to do product placement for a major feature. But it's another thing if you're the brand, you just fund the whole film and do a little ten minute short. Totally, but I think they also have to be uh, kind of guaranteed a certain number of eyeballs before that sure. starts becoming impossible. Because why would you throw fifty grand at a short if no one's going to watch it? True so st- until we have the outlets, story. until we have the the places to display the films, it's not. But we do. It. I mean, who's to say you couldn't release? Um, I mean, imagine. And I think brands have already done stuff like this. I mean, BMW has done stuff, whatever. But H and M. Imagine a brand like that. You could, you could launch a whole film from uh, YouTube, Facebook, Facebook. Yeah, you could launch a film. You know, do it, cut it up in episodes on Instagram. You could minute long. I episode. mean, our one guy, our one guy did the exper- the experimental film guy. Yeah, Area Fifty Two Flicks. Awesome. Yeah, he's he's back at it now. By the way, dude, he's great. He's re releasing, uh, not re releasing, but starting to release new films. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I still think there's room for the short format. I think it's worth exploring. I think especially for young, new filmmakers, it's a like as we use it. We use it as a learning experience. We never said this is going to be the greatest film of all time. We never even really expected it to get in anywhere. We just said, hey, let's make a film. Let's use it as practice. Yeah. I think it served its purpose, Purpose, honestly. Its purpose. Its purpose has been great. Its purpose has been cry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right? So. I mean. Yes. Practice. Well, well, I want to shift the conversation. Go ahead. Let's get into a topic that everyone in this community seems to like. Superhero films. No. Ah. Camera talk. Oh, yeah. Like what? I haven't heard any camera talk recently. I mean, what's... what's There's a big one. What's out there? What's coming out? I mean, what happened at NAB? What is, what's everybody excited about? I mean, what's going on? There's a big one now uh, that's really, really interesting. I'm actually looking into it myself, is the Panasonic EVA-1. Okay. It's uh, their answer 
to Sony's FS7. Okay. The C200, C300 range from Canon. It is a 4K. Actually, I think the sensor is like 5.6K sure. sensor that outputs a 4K signal raw with... Which will look great at 700 by 700 on Instagram. Totally. It'll look great then. But... um. It's also got, you know, it's got Panasonic's uh, Vericam flagship technology, which is this dual ISO technology, where it's got an 800 base ISO, and then you can gain up to 4,000 ISO, gets grainier and grainier, more sensitive, and then you can go into the menu and flip to the second ISO, which is 5,000, and the image is totally clean again. Wow, so it's like a bonus. Yeah, you have dual ISO. It's like, oh, I'm losing it, I'm losing it. Put it in the overdrive. I'm back, Johnny. I think it actually says that when you <laughs> when you flip over. I'm back, Johnny, on the menu system. As in Johnny, Utah. Exactly. And then um, it just goes, ah, and fires its gun up into the air. So, uh, but yeah, okay. so that's the cool right. big one right now. Is that is that just the one you're interested in? Or like, is there something else that people are talking about? I mean, you There's, know, there was that moment, there was a moment where all everybody wanted to talk about was black magic. Yeah. They came out with the Ursa Mini Pro. Are the people still is, talking about it? Is that uh, people proven are using itself? It. Yeah. People are using it. They're liking it. It's it's seems solid. Physical buttons for everything, switches yeah. and but it's you know, it's it's a black magic. <laughs> people hate you. It's a black magic. People hate you. All right, let's jump to uh something that Ben from camera department dodged on our last episode. He yeah. dodged the conversation about the red phone. He dodged it. The hydrogen. I brought up the red was releasing a cell phone and Ben didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. He was, you know, if you're a camera rental house, you do not want to hear that Red's releasing a cell phone for, if the, you, for the masses. If you are a camera rental house, you are probably not that stoked when technology keeps becoming cheaper, <laughs> higher resolution, higher quality, easier to afford on your own. Like that sabotages your own business model. Right. You know they. I think the camera rental houses had their heyday back when it was all film and yeah. it was so freaking expensive to own a 35 millimeter film camera right. and all the lenses and accessories that you had to go to a rental shop. But you don't own a rental shop. So what are your thoughts on a major camera company? Because Leica has also talked about releasing a phone. You know, you got companies like Red and Leica That's talking fine. about cell phones. What, do you, what are your thoughts? Cell phone and cinema camera are two different things, in my opinion. I'm not of the mindset where, like, use the tool you've got and tell your story, bro. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to shoot a movie on an iPhone. I know a bunch of people have. It's all about stories. I'm not just a, you know, script guy, story guy. I'm also a very visual guy. So that mm -hmm. doesn't give me the best option for what I want to do. I want to make pretty pictures. I can't make, you know, the kind of images I want with a very small sensor on a cell phone. Yet. Yet. Well, that's what I mean. Like, so red, I'm conflicted because red, inevitably, what's going to happen is the sensors in the phones are going to get bigger, but the the hardware necessary to run it is going to maintain. It's going to be that thin device, and you're going to be able to slap a master prime lens on it or whatever and get the same images out of a red weapon. So... It's kind of weird. And take a phone call. <laughs> and take a phone call. Hold on, hold on. I'm doing uh, a tracking cut, track. Cut, Just yeah. a second. Uh, honey, what was that? Yeah. yeah, I will pick up the dog food on the way home. Thank I think it's weird. Okay, I think that the, the Okay, and speed. <laughs> I think if they're smart, they won't let it get that far. They won't let the, the two, you know, the phone camera and the camera camera collide. They'll, they'll 
purposefully keep them separate, mm. specifically for market reasons. Sounds for, like you wanted to control the market. Totally. You a communist? I'm a capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> I am not about uh, you know free everything for everybody, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope it doesn't get to that point where it's indistinguishable. Well, I, I like a little separation. I agree, and nobody's rushing to put phone call technology on a freaking area Alexa. No, it's separate. <laughs> yeah, may, have your phone make phone calls and have your cinema camera shoot beautiful images. How awesome would that be, though? If they're like, if you're like, <laughs> the new Z300 has a new capability, you can take your calls on it. But it would, would it be a video call? <laughs> would it be a video? No, chat? audio, audio only. Audio only. Yeah, uh, in mono. <laughs> if you lose your cell phone, don't worry. You can walk around with your very twenty thousand dollar camera, and you're good. Uh, no lens required. No to make lenses. A phone call. No lenses. Yeah. yeah. Hold that bad boy up to your ear. <laughs> Perfect. It's getting weird, dude. I guess that's what I'm saying. This episode's weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is the weirdest episode we've ever done. Uh, it's it's all so bizarre. Weird. Um, oh, man. On the on the image capturing front, though, there's some uh, interesting. Uh, developments with lens, lenses, lens yeah. technology. There are a few uh, kind of established brands that are coming out with new lenses. Speaking of lenses, Sigma. I believe I read that Zeiss is potentially buying some of Leica. Really? Yeah, there was an buying article. Some of Leica. Yeah, like some some part of the business that Leica has that they might not either want anymore or whatever. Zeiss is potentially going to buy. I don't think it's going to be their high end cinema glass line. I don't know, man. But. Uh, they could merge. They actually have, you know, follow all those brands on Instagram and all the social medias, as you like to say. Yeah. Uh, Leica has their their new large format glass, the Thalia, Leica Thalia lenses, mm-hmm. which cover, you know, Alexa 65. They're both German, right? VistaVision. Uh, Leica and Zeiss, both German. Yeah, I believe so. The yeah. Germans are like, they, they hold down the lens world. Like that's, there's like history behind that. Right, they hold down a lot of it. Dude, German cinematography is is some of the best. But I mean, like glass making and like lenses and all that sort of stuff. There's like a there's like a history with German Germany, right? I believe so. As is evident by the multiple lens manufacturers <laughs> in Germany. Yes, <laughs> exactly. No, I haven't heard that though. That they're looking at buying. Uh, part look of it like up. A, yeah. Look it up. No, I'm not going to do it now. I'm not going to do it. I have to do what you tell me to. So anyway, but yeah, so there have been some developments. Okay. You just haven't heard of them. Well, I, you know? I do feel though. But on the outside, I do feel though that uh, like the gold rush of cameras is starting to die down. You think? Well, I'm just saying like there was like the DSLR boom, and then it was just like the great camera races, and it feels like those are like the camera releases are like becoming fewer and more far between nowadays. Like they're like subtle mm. changes. They're like, look, it's like the iPhone. Look at the new iPhone. It's just like the old iPhone, except now it does this one little thing. Now it and then they have like, a headphone port. And then yeah. they like try to sell it as this big change. I feel like the same thing's happening. Look at this Canon, this Panasonic, this, bla- you know, da, da. it's just like the last version with one subtle change. So you have to buy an entirely new thing. Totally. And they're, uh, what's funny. Versus they, yeah. during the initial DSLR revolution they were like major changes that were revolutionary yeah that was something that, that nobody's seen before uh so what's funny is you bring that up i had to pull it up on my phone there is this great article that came out by uh, cinematographer steve yedlin who shot some fantastic movies he's shooting he shot star wars last jedi looper san andreas the new carrie remake uh indie film brick like 
big name cinematographer. Brick is awesome. I haven't seen it, but I know, everybody loves it. Great film. Uh, so Steve Yedlin did this rev- not review. He did this almost study on uh, resolution in cameras, and he tested six or seven, you know, high end cinema brands with varying levels of you know resolution, very various Ks. From IMAX at scanned at 11K all the way down to, you know, F55 at 4K. Okay. And he did a whole comparison about how important is resolution, like actual photo sites on a sensor. And he all, he processed them all in such a way that, and he he scrambled up their, you know, sequence in the footage that he shows you that you you can't tell the difference between anything. You can't tell the difference between an IMAX film and a Sony F55 film if it's processed in a, in a consistent manner. So, you know, all these companies are so obsessed with the number of Ks on a sensor. And that's, you know, what they're doing to hire their cinematographers. Oh, you have an 8K camera? You must be a better cinematographer than you with a 2K camera. Right. And he's just going to show that resolution doesn't matter. It's all about lighting, framing, movement, storytelling, you know, get over the tech, basically. Wow. It's pretty good. So look it up, Steve Yedlin on... Google and you'll find his article. I should have held on to my C100. Totally. It was a 4K sensor that output a 1080p image. You didn't need a... Yeah. I love that camera. The C200, C300 Mark II is great though. I drank the Kool-Aid. No. And now I got this clunky Lego build. It's the same. It's a great camera. It's the same as a C100. It's just bigger. It's just a little bigger. A little Mm -hmm. heftier. A little bit. It's like your C100 packed on a few pounds. Yeah. It's fine. Chunky. Chunky. Chunky C100. So well, anyway. All right, uh, well, cool. Well, I just thought I'd check in with that because, you know, we haven't had camera talk in a while. I know. It's been a long time since I've, like, picked your brain about camera talking. I haven't had anybody that's uh, shared my same passion that I've been able to, to <laughs> right. nerd and geek out with. Right. Uh, um, anything else that's that's going on with you? Anything else you want to Well, I just cover? looked down on my notes, and I, I saw another five-star review that I feel like we should cover. Speaking really? of speaking of DPs. Well, what I really want to know because we're speaking in the future. Yeah. Is do we have a hundred ratings and reviews? At this point, I'm gonna go ahead and say no. <laughs> I would like to go ahead and say, yeah, we do. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna have faith in our listeners that from an hour ago when we recorded episode one oh one. Yeah. That however much time has passed in the real world. It's like a week. That we've gotten the three. (laughs) Well, here, let's do this. Let's do this. Hey, Slack group, do we have 100 reviews yet? If you listen to this episode and we do and you check it out, let us know. There you go. Now we'll know in the future. They can tell us. Whoa, you just confused me. What do you mean? How does that change anything? It doesn't. It take it's taking the uh, guesswork out of our job and putting it in the hands of our listeners. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about it. They will worry about it. <laughs> I feel like you were you were trying to do some sort of weird time warp experiment. I did. I took you future and then I brought you back. So, All right. Well, anyway, what's you didn't this even review? notice. What's this review that you got? Uh, speaking of lenses and cinematography and K's, uh, it's from Jared underscore DP. Nice. He says, it's a five-star review. He says, it's got filmmaking and bourbon. What else do you need? Go listen. Now. Unless you like robes. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> nice. Hey, Jared, I like robes. Well, he's. we know that Jared's a, a true listener. 
Because if he wasn't a listener, he would not know about my strange aversion to robes. Unless that's a common insult in the filmmaking world. <laughs> Unless you like yeah. robes, yeah. bro. So we know that he's listened to a few episodes where we've dealt with my issues with robes. So Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, Thanks, cool, man. Thanks for the five stars. You um, get three of your buddies to give us five stars. I think that's it, man. I think this show's it's without, been a great show. Yeah, without Dan and without being able to dive into what Gwyn's doing, Gwyn's sound, we're just babbling. We're, we, we need we need his his cherub like subtlety to yeah. uh, guide the podcast. I will say, in conclusion, I think it is pretty cool, and I'm happy for him that you have a guy whose passion was music. Yeah, he was in the marketing world. It's all collided, and now he owns a recording studio. Following his dreams. That's pretty cool. So we promise you we're going to bring the second half of that interview. You're going to learn all about Gwyn Sound Studio. I think it's going to be more than a second half. It's just going to be a new episode. It's just going to be a new episode. <laughs> it's just going to be a whole new we're episode. We're going to bring you the actual Dan episode. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever this is, we don't know. I don't know. It's just us. We, Back to our roots here. We've got... <laughs> <laughs> we've got... Uh, Bart and Frank just looking at us like, guys, this is the most pathetic thing I've ever heard. Yeah. The clock is just ticking up the and clock laughing is just at us. Rolling, going, uh, why are you still talking? Yet we here we are. Here we sit. That's what we do. All right, man. It's been real. We do this um, for your enjoyment. Well podcast listeners. Yeah. We hope you guys have enjoyed it. We hope you uh will continue to listen regardless of my retirement. And uh don't appreciate. Listen, don't listen to this liar. <laughs> appreciate your listenership for 102 episodes. Totally. See you for 102 more. Cheers. This podcast is produced by Frank Steele and recorded live at Gwyn Sound Studio. Find out more at gwynsound.com.